Hi, my name's Alistair. Hi, my name's Kat, and this is Bampop Productions Podcast. Okay, we've been away for a while. I've taken a bit of a hiatus. Hiatus? Where were you for your hiatus? Actually, I was in Malaysia. Oh, that's a country in Singapore, right? It's a region Next of, to so, Singapore. Region of Singapore. Next to Singapore. It's in the region of Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. The country is Singapore. And yeah. so you've got Singapore as the capital and the name of the country. Malaysia, uh, Sarawak and Borneo are regions within Malaysia. If there's anyone that's listening to this, everything that Alistair Hodgson has just said is individually correct, but altogether wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay? (laughs) Yeah, Malaysia is a part of Singapore. All right, okay. Now, moving on. Scotland's within the United Kingdom. Yes, Alistair, Scotland is in the United Kingdom. Malaysia's in Singapore. Yes, let's just agree to disagree. With basic facts. Okay. Kind of like how, you know, I used to say this a lot, but it's very true. I'm going to say it again. Singaporean food is just Malaysian food served in a five-star hotel. Oh my God. You went there. You went there, bro. What with the Malays? No culture of their own. Just buying an economy. That comment neither compliments Malaysia or Singapore, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Because it's basically saying that (laughs) Malaysia... Is poor. Is poor. And it's saying (laughs) Singapore has ripped off Malaysian food. Yeah. (laughs) So actually, that doesn't neither compliment Singapore nor Malaysia, actually. So, yeah, it's interesting. But moving on, yeah. what's in the news today? Do you know, I actually don't know. Uh, I was kind of hoping it's been a rough morning. I was hoping to check um, before we started and then completely forgot. So You don't know. I'll fire it up now. If we could talk, I'm sure, Ukraine crisis is still That's going on. I think the steelworks has been taken, the Donbass. Yes. Or as I call it, the Doodlebass. Oh, my God. Because we need to have a bit of fun with it. In the time of war, Alistair chooses to to trivialise the name of the region. No, no, it's not trivialising. It's um, humour in a dark time. Is it? Yeah, actually, I can see your point. Now, the steel plant in Arostal, uh-huh. or yeah. okay, or in that part of Ukraine, they have evacuated civilians as far as I know. Yeah? Um... Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So they have that. evacuated the civilians. I don't know what they mean about the soldiers um, because there were people... See, I don't know now whether like it's just random guys that are fighting with guns for Ukraine or whether they're part of the army or it's a combo of both. Mm. I understand. So do you know what I mean? So I think everyone is being very mixed up. Yeah. Um... And it just seems to me, according to the UK media, more of the Russian top brass are just being culled. Culled? (laughs) The way you say that makes it sound like it's being done by the Russians themselves. This is a a really impressive effort by the Ukrainians with a hell of a lot of Western intelligence to take out anyone of any importance on the Russian side. Um, but when you say Western intelligence, <clears throat> do you think that's from the Americans or the British yeah, or the U all, or the U, U Europeans or all of them? Or yeah, what? everyone. I mean, I, I there was the report the other day that the um the flagship um naval vessel, ah, uh, the Russian sunk, one that they sunk, <clears throat> was um targeted with American intelligence. I mean, it's really starting to blur the lines between you know 
being a non-combatant and a combatant. Like, um, I mean, a lot of these things, if they were done by a foreign power to the West, we would absolutely say, well, they're involved in this war now. Like, you know, if one of the, the British, say, our, um, you know, aircraft carrier, the Queen Elizabeth class, if one of those was sunk by, say, a shitey nation like Afghanistan or the Taliban, and it turned out that China had supplied... Would that you know, be a sign of war? Well, if it turned out that the Chinese had supplied all the targeting information and the weapons, we'd probably say, well, you used a proxy to fight it. Like, they accuse Iran of this all the time. Like, it's the major thing where like Iran hasn't really been... In, Iran hasn't invaded someone in so many centuries, like hundreds of years, but they're always being, you know, criticised somewhat rightly because they use proxy agents like Hezbollah and whatnot to fight their wars for them but to go against the Israelis but we criticize that whenever it happens we say well you're pretty much doing it yourself like you can't just hide behind but when another it's being party. done on the opposite side yeah yeah so I, blurring the lines it's fun um I bring on the nuclear war I guess you know it's just get ready for it the thing is build the bunker talking about nuclear war is that a lot of people have said that President Putin has lost it, but it's like, surely if he's lost it, then he would go nuclear. But the thing is, though, if he's even thinking of going nuclear, I don't know, he needs to be taken care of, either preferably by his own people or other people, if you know what I mean. So Mr. Biden maybe needs to start to sign off on a drone attack. A drone attack on... (laughs) On the Kremlin. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> see, see if anyone's thinking of going nuclear, they need to be taken out. But I don't they think... They need to be taken out, Alistair. Wouldn't you agree with me? I guess what I disagree with is the practicalities. Like, I think the second that an American warplane's over Moscow, there's a good chance you're going to trigger that nuclear fucking strike. Like... I just... I feel that the price the Ukrainians are paying, they shouldn't even be paying. Like, why actually are they even paying this? I mean, why? Putin has invaded for what reason? Because they wanted to be part of NATO? Yeah, well... Because he wants to re-establish more power for himself, more dominance? Like, why exactly, in your opinion, do you think they were invaded in the first place? I don't know, like, the kind of Nazi things are really good line because it's not true like that's not why they're going in you know no one really cares about you know do you I mean you need good reasons and narratives the there that they're trying to kill there are Nazis the there there are I mean this is one of the, mm-hmm. the one of the battalions yeah this was a, they were a, a kind of far right group and then they were so effective in fighting you know since 2014 they were actually brought into you know the Ukrainian military um, there are far right you know, neo-Nazis in Ukraine and in the Donbass, it's true. Um, and one of those groups was responsible for killing a, you know, very high up commander in the Russian Russian army. Um, in fact, it was really fun watching the, the media, you know, the Western media particularly has spent the whole time kind of discrediting this Russian claim that there's a, a ton of Nazis and it's denazification and arguing, well, how could they be denazifying when the president's Jewish and the vice president's Jewish? There's no Nazis the here. Jewish. Yeah, I didn't know that. Zelensky. Well, that's, Zelensky yeah. Yeah. well, that's what the, I mean, that's been the kind of Western narrative. Like, look, he's mad. How could he possibly say it's <laughs> Nazi? And then one of the Nazi begrade, Nazi groups <laughs> fucking ends up taking out one of the generals. And it's like, 
Yeah. How do you square that? And it was really interesting reading the media who's been claiming there are no Nazis, it's not right wing, to then say, oh, this was the um, far right, <laughs> you know, battalion. And it's like, oh, you know, it's messy and complicated everywhere, but... There is some truth to that claim. It's not the reason they've gone in, though. Nobody cares about that. No, because they that. need a reason, so they've made one that up. That is it. Nobody actually cares. Because the term it, Nazi doesn't really mean what it originally meant. Nazi was someone yeah. that was from the Nazi political party. Right. And the Nazi political party were... There we go. Fascists? Was that the ideology that the Nazis pushed? I guess, In Germany? Yeah. Or were they social democrats? Yeah. I forget now. National socialism. National so socialism, which how how would you define that for someone that has no idea what that means? Do you have any idea what it means? Not really. Oh. I know what socialism and nationalism mean. I mean, S socialism is where there's um, more distribution. No wait, nationalism is a political movement within a country. To push the country, right, as a nation. And socialism is the ideology where there's fairer distribution, isn't there? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's a fair. Or like how but that's kind of my point that, like, the point I was going to make there is that you can't... It doesn't mean... I don't think you can learn much about what they did from what they called themselves. Like, it doesn't tell you a huge amount. Because it's about, a question of semantics. It's just a, it's like a brand more than anything. Yeah. Like, so, national like, what does socialism. it mean, actually mean? They were nationalist in that, you know, they believe very much in the kind of German peoples and the kind of nationhood that goes around that. A specific race within that, kind of white Europeans, um, and promoting their interests. Like, that's their form of nationalism. But there's lots of forms of nationalism, you know, from good to bad throughout the world. Um, and the idea of socialism within it, they kind of brought a lot of production under government control. And in fairness, it was actually pretty impressive what they achieved under that before the war. Um, you think of how weak and impoverished Germany was before that, after World War, you know, they gave up a lot in World War One. Um the policies weren't terrible for, you know, living standards and economically. Um but yeah, they wanted to establish a complete um totalitarian state that was, you know, engaged in every aspect of everyone's life. And that's pretty shitty, but I think you could create a sort of form of, you know, just using those words, national socialism, that isn't exactly, you know, totalitarian. But if you wanted to define what the Nazis were, it was like, yeah, it was a totalitarianism that was probably the worst part of it. I mean, the worst part was the murdering millions of people and well, going to war with the world. But the thing is, though, when you think of the term Nazi, very, you think of the concentration yeah. camps, that's what I think of. So the ideology almost doesn't really count when it comes to what the... Nazis were. I think that's correct, yeah. But I mean, See, that's how people perceive it to be, so therefore it is going to be that to them. As far as Russia is concerned, I think the word Nazi here is being used in the same way we use terrorism. It's just someone you don't like. It's just someone that you want yeah. to fight against. It doesn't tell you a huge amount about them, you know. The word terrorism gets banded about, you know, far too much and has been for too long. There's no definition, it's just the bad guy is a terrorist, and whoever the bad guy is, terrorist. I've even heard them say Putin's a terrorist and it's like, 
that's fine. He might be. He's a bad guy, but the word starts to lose a lot of its meaning. I think the Russians are using the term Nazi that way. It's just anyone they don't like in this war. Yeah. yeah. Because the thing is, though, isn't there a neo-Nazi movement in Russia? There is, yeah. But then again, though, I think recently, the past couple of years, hasn't there been There's a Nazi bit of movements a around the world. Yeah. yeah. Hasn't there Everywhere. been a resurgence? But when you read about it, it seems to me that they can't define it themselves and it's more like a community. And um, they may be come off as being racist mm -hmm. but the thing is though in that case then that exists in every country within ev ev every person to a certain extent is a kind of prejudice yeah um but i I'd think a lot of people that. like you mentioned are quite sang are quite sanctimonious but um yeah so diverging from that wait so what were we originally talking about you were asking what the news was and I said, Ukraine's still going on. No, and then we, we talked a wee that. bit back and forth. And then you said, why have they gone in? You asked me yeah. to answer that question. And we were going around that. So it's, why did they go in? I think the reason they're there is... Maybe unknowable to some extent. Like, Putin is... At first, I thought this was largely unfair, the way that the Western media kept saying Putin's war or Putin has done this. And it's like, it's very rare that a country is completely controlled by one person. This is normally... Do you not like, think Russia is, though? Well, it's like... I, I actually do. The more I look at it, the more I think that is true. And I think he's maybe quite isolated from everyone else that makes decisions. Um, part of the issue... That's my phone going off. That's no good. Put that on silent. Yes. <laughs> so... Part of the issue, I think, is like if you had the war in Iraq, a few people did this in a very dismissive way. They said, oh, this is Bush's war or Blair's war. I don't really think that was fair. Like these were wars that were signed off by Parliament, by Congress. Because um, they're not autocrats. They're not they're autocrats. They're not dictators, yeah. yeah. Um, and I thought it was maybe a bit unfair that this was coming down on Putin. But actually, you look at what's happening there and like it's being completely shielded from the worst like the worst information about it. His generals aren't kind of giving him the correct information. The people on the ground didn't know what they were doing. There was the no conscripts were like not just the conscripts, the, the actual soldiers. Like they were Wait, the ones that were ranked. Yeah, yeah. They they were told they were in operations. And you oh, actually it's not just that that's, that's what they were saying terrible. when they were captured. They actually they had no idea what the purpose of being there was. Like, they were walking around aimlessly. That's why they had to retreat so fast, is that they didn't know what the short-term goals were, medium-term or long-term. Yeah, they're sent in... Just drive in. Fodder. Yeah. But that must be absolutely terrible, because actually, I don't know. See if the conscripts and the other lower-ranking lot mm -hmm. didn't know. That means their family wouldn't have known where they had been sent to. So imagine if you're a mother that, like, has a son that's... Yeah. I don't know, there. And if you see that on the news, suddenly bear in mind that the state media is highly controlled, mm -hmm. you would be thinking, damn, is my son there? Because not all of them are actually there in Ukraine. The British press are saying 65% of right. the men... In the military mm, are. Yeah. But the thing is, though, so then you might be thinking, oh, right, is my child there or is my child not? It must be horrible. Not there. And I saw clips of where the Ukrainians had set up a hotline for the soldiers that had been captured to actually call home. And the thing is, though, I don't know their language, but 
the translation was that there was this, I mean, he was very young, actually. Like, he barely looked about 20. He was on the phone. He was like, Mom, I've been captured. The mother was like, just come back home. Can they send you home? You're not hurt. And it's heartbreaking because you're like, I mean, she doesn't deserve it. Was that one to be fake, that one? I'm sure a lot of them maybe are, but I think a lot of them are. Well, yeah. No, because there will I'm be sure things like that. I'm sure a lot of them actually yeah. were captured yeah. and they did call home. Um, and it's just like, you you really feel for them both because the conscripts, I, I don't even know if they're paid actually. I don't know if you're paid if you're a conscript. Like, I think you're just told to go serve, but they weren't really told where and they can't tell the families apparently. Wow. That's what I was told by that's someone, but I don't normal. know if that's correct. I don't so know So if either, a war begins, that sounds very you reasonable. see that on TV, yeah. You're like, oh, is my son there? Because bear in mind, not all the conscripts would be placed there. Do you know what I mean? Like, like they wouldn't always. But as be a conscript, sent. you don't want that being public knowledge either, or being out and about that mm. you're exactly where you are. This I remember this being an issue when social media kind of first started. Open like, source intelligence mm. is the term now. Well, yeah, to gather from lots of places, but because TikTok a, had recordings of a lot of the but it was a, around the place. It did. Yeah, that so that was huge in Russia, but this is a slightly different thing. This is like you know, it was a massive issue where. Um, soldiers um, would post operational details on their social media, kind of not really fully aware of the implications. So I remember um, this happening in the IDF, actually. There was a, in the early 2010s, there was a, some, there was an operation across the border, either into Lebanon or into Gaza, and they were getting ready for it. And this guy posted on his fucking Facebook Why saying, oh, that? we're going in tomorrow. And it's like, why the whole operation had to be cancelled. Why would was, you do that? Yeah. People didn't weren't really aware of it. So I do, and actually, like, you'd be pretty, if you were going in with, say, you know, 20 people, 15 people, you'd be really pissed if one of them was broadcasting it to all his friends and mates that you're doing something, like, you know, you're going to be moving on a I certain I think you wouldn't the have the day. most friends in that battalion yeah. now. I think probably most of them would be quite I'd annoyed be with him. Pretty shitty. Um, and, yeah, I think... I think just to say about why I think he's done it, um, these things are always very complicated. Like, there's lots of reasoning going on. I genuinely think that as far as Putin is concerned, Russia is technologically weaker. He's been talking for a few years now about some of the technologies that are on the horizon in, in terms of military, particularly things like artificial intelligence and saying that this these are like, I think he's aware that these are like major deciding factors in kind of future wars and conflicts and possibly even kind of ending, you know, um, the possibility of warfare. Like there's some technologies coming up where you really won't be able to make moves with, you know, new tech that's coming. I think he knows that. He knows that Russia is way behind in this. Russia isn't going to be able to catch up. And I think it's about manoeuvring into a place where there's a wee bit more strength in other areas. So I think it's generally as well, you know, there's lots of things going on in Russia, like they're losing, like oil is going to be less important over the coming decades. Not still very important today, but that's a major source of foreign currency to them. Um, when that's gone, it's probably, so I think, they need other things. I think what you see in Ukraine is actually a threat in that you don't want it to be a part of NATO. It completely surrounds Russia. But I think at the same time, a buffer zone would be nice for them between them and Europe. 
um, Ukraine controls a huge amount of the world's like farm land. Like you know, if that's under Russian it's control, yeah. yeah. If that's under also Russian they have control, steel plants and they have coal plants. That gives Russia another huge, um, um, I guess, chip to use in any kind of you know, um, soft warfare. Like you can move like these kind of resources around and stuff. It's a great country to have. Like um, I think building it they probably weren't strong enough to go in now they probably knew that but probably about the last chance they would have got like if they'd gone two or three years more down the line uh, ukraine's just going to become stronger going to have more kind of you know um western military equipment in it um it's probably a sort of now or never and there is this weird idea among russian elites that Russia should be part of a kind of Eurasian um, sort of fascist state, like all like Eurasian fascist. So they team up with China. No, I, they're kind of against China, but the, this. Um, all right. All right. So. Th- th- I can't remember the guy's name that he wrote this book I about. I know the guy it. with the massive beard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, let me actually find that there. Uh, um, what is this book? It's like the foundations of geopolitics or something. Yeah, and he's got a really long thick beard. The thing is, though, he he like wrote it more than twenty years it ago. It is nineteen ninety seven. So this is like a majorly um, uh, Alexander Duggan. Duggan, that's it. Duggan. No, Duggan isn't a yeah. Russian surname. It's not, but that's his name. Um, Duggan. Alexander Duggan. Oh, right, okay. Duggan sounds quite... Scottish. Doesn't it? Yeah. It doesn't um, sound Russian at all. I, I mean, I'm sure there's a Russian pronunciation, but that's the... That's the guy. Duganovich. Duganovich. Probably, That's yeah. the chap. Yeah. No, Duggan. it must be pronounced another way. It must yeah. be pronounced... Dugin... Okay, I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. This chap... Um, believes that the Russian state should be, you know pivotal in the world and um, this coming out of the soviet union so he's a nationalist then very much a nationalist but he also wanted to create like a breeding program he, he has like his, his own kind of aryan race between program. russians and uh, like kind of russians and certain groups in the kind of ural sort of area um, the kind of uh, you know the states like kazakhstan and whatnot so central asia yeah and his whole strategy was about playing Separating the UK from Europe, forcing America to fight amongst itself, break well, apart internally. <laughs> and Look at Brexit in America with their culture wars. Yep, and forcing um, China to get interested in conflicts in Southeast Asia. And the, the belief is if those three things happen, Russia will have a far clearer, a far easier job kind of solidifying its power in that central area. The problem is that has happened, and I think that's one of the reasons why people sometimes think that Russia has like a genius like PR system and a genius kind of information warfare. Well, they censorship everything. It's very. But these were trends that were always on the brink. These were trends that were always kind of happening, and they just picked the ones that were most likely to happen. So Russia's probably pushed this a little bit, but these were kind of problems that were always going to arise in these countries. Um, but yeah, the the whole belief is that Russia should expand, should have control of you know most of Eastern Europe. Um, should That's also, what Putin's trying to do now. Yep, should also move south and then expand its influence via that. Um, 
a lot of elites really like this book. They believe in that. And I think this is kind of a step towards that direction. And I actually do think, I, I personally, this is a complete guess, but from reading about how Putin sees the world recently, some of the speeches he's given, I say, on new technologies, particularly artificial intelligence, I think he probably sees a time limit on when this is going to be possible and maybe was a wee bit forced to to push it early. That, that's why I think this, this happened. Well, that's it really, it seems to me, in a nutshell, from what you've just said. I don't really know what, what to add to that. He looks like Charles Manson. Alexander Douglas. I th- I th- I think it's the beard. Yeah. Actually, he would look better if he didn't have the beard, but having the beard makes you know, someone look more intellectual and older. Yeah, he doesn't look very happy in that picture. But then again, though, if you push that kind of ideology, how uh, happy can a person right. be? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, how, you know, how like happy can a person be? Do you want me to read a wee... 25 minutes? Do you want me to read a, yeah. a wee so-and-so? Um... Military operations play relatively little role. So this is in the, in the book. The textbook advocates a sophisticated program of subversion, destabilization, and disinformation spearheaded by the Russian special services. It's really interesting because I, I think their disinformation, which is kind of legendary, totally fell apart in the Ukraine war. Like, I think America was able to get very much ahead of it by yeah. just releasing the information of what they were going to do before they did it and like intelligence agencies don't normally do that but it seemed to be a really effective counter they just said oh yeah russia's going to make up this lie and then russia couldn't do it and it's like even if russia didn't have a plan to do it this is a great thing about it america can then make up some of this stuff that they say russia's going to do and Russia can't do any of those things because it'll just look like, oh, yeah, America predicted it, therefore it's going to happen. No, oh, I never thought There's about a... that until you mentioned it. In Europe, Germany should be offered the de facto political dominance over most Protestant and Catholic states located within Central and Eastern Europe. Nice. Kaliningrad Oblast could be given back to Germany. Um, France should be encouraged to form a bloc with Germany as they both have a firm anti-Atlanticist tradition. The United Kingdom, merely described as an extra-territorial floating base of the US, it should be An extra-territorial floating base of the US? That is Alan so trivialising and condescending. Finland should be absorbed into Russia. Southern Finland will be combined with the Republic of uh, Karelia. And Northern Finland will be donated to the Murmansk Oblast. Estonia could be given to Germany's sphere of influence. Latvia and Lithuania could be given a special status in the Eurasian-Russian sphere. Although later he he writes that uh, they should be integrated into Russia. Belarus and Moldova are to become part of Russia. Poland should be granted a special status in the Eastern sphere. Romania, North Macedonia, Serbia, Serbia and Bosnia and Greek Orthodox Collectivist East will unite with Moscow, the third Rome, <laughs> and reject the rational individualistic west i mean it's yeah it's it's mental i think the thing is the world's moved on a hell of a lot since the 90s and i don't even know how relevant a lot of this is to decision makers in the west yeah i don't know what to make of that i also demand that russia have a, a considerably stronger hand than they actually do like they're not strong enough to pull that off like well they're always having their army parades but the thing is though then you see all the men running away and the tanks breaking down and they've not actually won us yet like they didn't take kiev then they backtracked to the east 
like I just don't know how strong the army actually is in terms of the willpower and in terms of tech. Like I can't imagine that their tech's better than the next lot of tech that the next lot have. Do you know? Okay, so all right. Well, to end it yes. on that very well realistic note. Mm-hmm. Buy from Cat. Buy from Alistair. Buy from Bampot Productions Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Bampot Pod. Perfect. Well, bye. Bye. Bye.